Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Lorea. And we are so glad to have you guys for episode 46, How to Care Less About Work. Excited about that one. We're also going to mention to you about a mural that we just did in Atlanta. And we're going to talk about bugs. Can they be the newest source of protein? Protein? Wow. That's going to be an interesting one. Sonia, what's up? Wow, it's been been a few minutes <laughs> since we've yes. done this. Yes, it has. Yeah. No, I've it's... been um, traveling, so I've been on the road a lot. So uh, it's nice to be back in Atlanta. Nice. nice to be back at the podcast with you, Lacey. You moved too, Sonia, didn't you? I did. Since you did last... Yeah, I moved. I not that far from where I was living before, but um, moving's all always kind of exciting but stressful. Yes, definitely it is. It's like on the list of the number one most stressful thing that you can do. I know. know. (laughs) Yeah. And you're all settled now and, and, you know, enjoying it. Yeah. It's uh, I give myself time, you know, because I think when you do transitions, there's always like hanging things that you got to do, like whether it's, I don't know, unpack a box, decorate, but I'm like, whatever. It's just one day at a time. One day at a time. That's I, a great way to do it. I got to do keep with the rethinking humanity theme. Just yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's why, you know, we don't just talk about this stuff. We do our best to live it. Well, <laughs> to what live is, it. Exactly. But what we're about not you, Lacey? What's new in your world? Wow. It has been a minute. I mean, I was looking at our notes for this episode, and that was February when we were going to do this episode. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I. Um, I've been good. I've been making some future plans um, that I will likely share more with everybody about um, in the upcoming episodes. So I've been working on a little bit of that. And then um, I actually started dating someone who I've been friends with for like four or five years. And it just really came out of nowhere. But we had a conversation in which I realized we have very similar values, like, you know, the kind of values we have, Sonia, the stuff right. that we talk about on, on here, yeah. he's like right alongside, you know, with where we are, where, where we are, where we are, excuse me, on this podcast. And so I was like, maybe we need to just, let's just date, see if it works. And it's been amazing. So it's been since December. Yay. And so, so yeah, I mean, that's been a really awesome experience for me. Um, someone who's truly like adores me, respects me for who I am and vice versa me for him. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a wonderful experience and I'm growing a lot. And as many of you may know, uh, obviously a new relationship takes time. And I think it's certainly something that's worth the investment of the time. Um, but yeah, it's just definitely, and then I've been playing soccer and I've been in the gym and, you know, life has gotten kind of full. The schedule's gotten full again sure. compared to when we started this. this yeah, podcast. during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but That's yeah, I, yes, it's exciting. It's super exciting. It's been very different to date somebody that I was, we've been friends and playing soccer together for years. So, uh that's been different, but wonderful. And I highly recommend dating a friend. <laughs> that might sound crazy. Good but advice. Good advice. It's, it's 
I've heard it said like, marry your best friend. I've heard that said whole, your whole life. Now, whether I'm going to get married or not is another issue. Like, yeah, I'm I was not, like, you, know me. <laughs> you know me, I'm not a marriage girl, but uh, you know, this, the idea is to be with someone who is your best friend. And I get it now. Like I've been genuine. I've been my genuine self with him for all these years. What am I going to do? Not be my genuine self. It feels really good to be in a dating relationship and dating someone that, and not feeling like I have to have to try to be somebody. I realized how much I try to be somebody else in dating by dating a friend, you know? Yes. Yes. So yes, that's, that's what's been going on in my world. And so I'm thankful. I mean, I, again, it's unexpected, but I'm, I receive what is coming my way. That's positive and I'm thankful for it. Happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Awesome. Well, you know, another thing that um, has happened since we uh, spoke to you guys last was we had our three-year anniversary for the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's crazy, isn't it? And maybe you could, well, for people, I guess, in Atlanta, you could tell them where the mural is. Yeah. So we also did a mural. This is something we had been thinking about doing for a long time. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, waited until we did. And, um, and, and I gosh, do you remember what month it was that we did the mural? You were traveling. I think it was like a month ago, right? It or wasn't was, too long ago. It, it wasn't that long ago. Not yeah. more than two months ago. Right. So uh, we had an artist do the lettering of our logo. If you go on our Instagram page at yes. Rethinking Humanity Podcast, you can see a couple of videos that I did. And then you can also see pictures of the mural. If you're familiar with Atlanta, if you're in the Atlanta area, um, the, the mural is outside of the Krog Tunnel, close to the Beltline the East side belt line. Um, and we just were Sonia, actually you picked out the spot. Um, it's good. I love it. Love it. It's a great spot right outside of the tunnel. Um, the Krog tunnel is really cool. Cause it's just full of a bunch of graffiti and mm-hmm. Atlanta is a very street arty kind of place. So, yeah. And, um, and by the way, follow us on rethinking human www.rethinkinghumanity.us. Yes. On Instagram, on YouTube. Yes. Check us out on all those places. And if you're watching live now, say hello in the chat and and thank you for being here. So yeah, that's one thing that's happened. We, uh, we had our three year anniversary. We got a mural up. Um, we both have had lots of stuff going on. And one other thing that we wanted to mention is that those of you who listen on Apple podcasts, we wanted to let you know, I don't know if you guys have noticed but we did not, we were not able for some reason to get episode 34, which is um, the, uh, let's see, what is it called again? Challenges of American Motherhood. That did not drop down to Apple Podcasts for some reason. Um, but we've been in touch with them. Um, and it looks like in the next 24 hours, it will be there. And I was shocked at how few listens it got. Because a great episode, great! Oh episode. my gosh, we were so excited about this episode, um, and so when when we were like fifteen listens, what what in the world? Like, what's going on? So, um, take a take a listen to that if you haven't heard it. Even if you listen on Spotify or whatever, check that out because it's awesome. It's a video where um, 
they talk from they talk about Fromm's idea of the Oedipus complex, some psychologists. It's very, very interesting. Um, and and I think uh, many, many of us can relate to it, whether we have kids or not, whether we're moms mm-hmm. or not. I think it's an important conversation to have and to hear. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, we have a couple things that we want to talk to you about today. Um, and actually, one of them is something that we saw a while back. Um, it's an agriculture food uh, piece that was in the New York Times. And it's a video piece. And I actually have the links and they'll be in the description here in the episode on YouTube in the in the description box, but also on our um you know, a podcast. So you can take a look at these. They are wild. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's three videos. One of them is about how agriculture has become uh, a bigger lobbyist group than oil, if you can believe Mm -hmm. it. Another Mm -hmm. one is about how chickens are treated on farms and how chicken farming works and why chicken at your grocery store can be so cheap. And then the last one is about bugs and mm-hmm. how and why bugs are likely to be likely to become the newest protein the mm-hmm. next protein that we're going to be using in food and because it's such a sustainable way to um to provide for that compared to chicken and and cows and all this other stuff so whew, a lot there uh sonia what were your thoughts on on those Oh, it was eye-opening. I thought that I knew the industry. I didn't know. I didn't know how big ag, they talk about, they call it big ag agriculture, like you mentioned, actually mm. spends more than Exxon Mobil on lobbying. Wow. I didn't realize that um, there was such a huge polluter of the planet. Dang, yeah. I didn't realize that there are no farms, only 2 to 3% of these, like, beautiful bucolic farms that you see in ads even exist. It's all industrial farming yeah. and how um, they lobby the, the farmer, these, these big, you know, organizations lobby to not have any kind of um, restrictions like where they don't have to report. They don't have to be, you know, accountable. And it was just eye opening how uh, I think the general public wouldn't even I, I never guessed about how this was um it, it it was very educational but at the same time made me realize how important it is to learn about this because it affects our planet yeah the fact that we are kind of destroying the planet with this industrial farming yeah um and so i would say anybody who has any interest in sustainability or animals or just uh, you need to you need to check it out it's just it will really you know make you see things in a different light i believe well and also it touches on a theme that we've touched on in the podcast so much which is about which is how much um you know bureaucracy uh big big business big corporations really are in such a position of control mm-hmm. in our country and influence. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing with agriculture. It's the same thing with chicken farming. And I, that sounds horrible how, and, and how I'm saying it chicken farm, but that's basically what it is, you know, 
Um, it's not like raising chickens and letting them be chickens. It's like no. chicken farming, you know? Um, and then, uh, and how, like in the first video about agriculture, they talked about how like big agriculture is the bigger, the biggest lobbyist and it's the most powerful lobbyist. Mm -hmm. And also about how the way that we farm on, on these massive scales, uh, meaning like we don't have the, you know, farmer Joe down the street with the small farm where he, you know, does corn mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. It's these massive corporate farms. Those are actually the most damaging to our uh, environment when it comes to our, our climate change. Mm -hmm. The tilling of the soil, how they do it, um, the fact that the soil doesn't rest, those types of things, that was mind boggling to me. Yeah, and the part that you could mention where the farmers, the people that are actually working there can't, they're, they're stuck, they have loans, they can't, they can't get out of that cycle mm -hmm. of the way they have to produce these chickens. Yes. Which is inhumane, actually. It destroys the planet. It's inhumane. Yep. And it's just this never-ending cycle. Yeah. I think the saddest part about the chicken video, I watched it again today, is like the part, like one of the main jobs of the chicken farmers, the chicken farmers, this is just sad, is actually to walk around their chicken farm. It's not even a chicken farm. It's like a big house a chicken house that's with low lighting on purpose so that the chickens you know don't grow don't get super excitable and they grow mm -hmm. you know as big as they can get but anyway basically their job their one of their main jobs is to walk around and pick up the dead chickens from the it's so just sad. it's sad because they're not in a place where they can really actually live and be healthy um and i don't know it's well it's really sad. It's sad. And for listeners, I know you're a, a vegan, Lacey. Mm -hmm. I do eat, you know, meat and chicken and all that. But another part that was really educational for me is they show the, the real cheap cost of this chicken, right? Mm -hmm. And then it shows if you buy a chicken who's raised humanely and in the right circumstances, we're talking about a big difference, say $2 to $6 or $7. It's, a, it's quite a bit. Yep. But I think that's important for the consumer to know because then you can make a better choice. Right. Because we also have influence as consumers to what we're buying, whether it's, you know, our clothing or food or whatever, you know, vehicles. So that to me was very important to see how we as a consumer can, you know, I guess make an impact with our money. Yeah. Yeah. The last one, uh, the last video was again about bugs and mm -hmm. cooking bugs and it was funny because it, it said something about like you're probably experiencing some might you know type of gag reflex right now about the idea of even you know eating bugs um but they said something about like in certain foods there's already bug parts or bugs oh. <laughs> in processed foods and i was like i'm not surprised um yeah well, so I knew this years ago. I, I heard that fact, which I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, that's awful. But watching that video actually made me realize, you know, not that it would be easy for me, but insects are probably a better protein and very healthy. And, and this is how you can feed the world. Exactly. So you could eliminate hunger yep. if you're able to, you know, 
to feed to feed you people insects, you know? Yeah. Well, it's sustainable, super sustainable. sustainable. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And well, I mean, I can't help but but plug again civilized to death here and Christopher Ryan and how much that sounds like how we lived before the onset of agriculture and before we did farming and and selling food and you know we lived as hunter gatherers and we ate berries and n- nuts and you know hunted occasionally and we probably ate insects you know what i'm yeah. saying and for i don't know if you ever heard this but lobster which still cuz he is considered an insect of the ocean that's right. And in the video, it talks about how that was just a faux pas. Like you do not eat lobster for right. a while. Right. And so anyway, yeah, it's it sounds like based on that video, they're learning how sustainable it actually is. And it it can be delicious and is delicious. And there's plenty of cultures around the world who they oh, eat sure. bugs. It's sure. not a big deal. Sure. And it makes sense. It's natural. It's nature, you know? Sure. Sure. So really, really some interesting stuff. And um, they're saying like, if we want to save the planet, we need to start to transition to alternate forms of pro- protein. And I, mm-hmm. I get it. Really get it. Makes perfect sense. Uh, well, before we jump into... Um, Uh, The article that we'll talk about today, uh, which is how to care less about work. Uh, I think this may be our last episode on the work topic. Um, This is an Atlantic article, which is by Charlie Wetzel and Anne Helen Peterson. I did want to mention very quickly and just see what you wanted to say, uh, Sonia, about Elon Musk buying Twitter. I think this is a noteworthy news news point to mention. uh, And it's a big deal. It's kind of a big big deal. So I'll tell you how big of a deal it is. I did a walk today that I do occasionally here. I, you know, we both like like to work out and stuff. And I listened to a podcast all about Elon Musk, uh, you know, buying Twitter, which it's by the way, it's not a hundred percent yet, but it's getting there. Okay. Um, so that's it's one fact. If people don't know, but I'm sure everybody's, if you looking at the news, you see that that may happen. I think my takeaway from that that you and I discussed earlier is the idea of the richest man on the planet owning this platform. And it reminds me of oligarchs. And I don't know for democracy and for the world if that's a good way to go, because I don't like the idea of a few people having that amount of power. That's really for me how I see it. Yeah. I mean, that amount of money equals that amount of power. That's just what it boils down to. And that is scary. And I mentioned this to you earlier, Sonia, but I think that's part of the reason why, again, in these hunter-gatherer societies, that was a no-no. Anybody getting to a place where they were in a you know a powerful position or thought that they were better than everybody else or didn't share, that was that was handled very succinctly and very seriously. Because I think they realized how much harm would come if one person came to a place where they had this much power. Mm -hmm. Think about what that means. This one man has this much money to buy something that that's that is alarming. That is something that we need to pay attention to. And I don't know. I don't know how to think that it's not a clear picture that this is like an oligarchy, like there's, 
how do you how can what's the argument that this is the US is not an oligarchy after something like that? Right. Um, well, one of the things they discussed is, you know, not everybody's on Twitter. So they're saying if you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to. But I think the other the other point brought up is the the free speech, because you have one person that who's, you know, who's Elon Musk determining what is going to be allowed on that platform and free speech, even though we all have maybe an idea what it is, that can be different from one person to the other. So the person in power has the, I guess, the they can determine, you know, discern, well, this, I'm going to let this person talk. I'm going to let that person talk. I'm not going to let this person talk. So that's a problem yep. because it's one individual that's determining that, that's screening, I guess, who, who can, who's going to have that platform. Mm. And I think we've seen the damage that it can do. There's uh, been racism, homophobia, misogyny, and that's hard to keep in check, I would say, especially if this is not a public forum, if this is, you know, a privately owned forum that you've got one guy that's making the decision who can be on Twitter or not. That's just my thoughts. Yeah. And it reminds me too of that Jaron Lanier book that we we've mentioned mm -hmm. 10 reasons to delete your social media accounts immediately. Um, just how polarizing social media is and can be, uh, I don't know if I would want that responsibility, to be honest with you. No. And, and the other part I would say even is the misinformation. You could have people disseminating yes. misinformation. And then where's, yes. the, where's the check on that? You know, um, yeah. a, a point that was brought up about Twitter that I didn't realize is that all around the world, like say you're in India, you wake up in the morning, you're a journalist. The first thing you do is check Twitter, see what the news of the day is. So yeah. Twitter's kind of defining like, wow, this is what's going on in the world. And maybe it is an important thing and maybe it's not, but you know, everybody's got their eyes on it or I shouldn't say everybody, but the journalists have their eyes on it. Yeah. Well, it's certainly becoming more and more a platform that people uh, go to, to find news more so than Facebook and Instagram, mm -hmm. you know, um, especially political. Uh, it's a very political platform, political. I would say. And so, yeah, it's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal to have someone kind of in control of what goes out of that, you know? Oh boy. What a world, what a yeah. world we're living in. <laughs> so anyways, well, I'm glad we got to, to mention about that because that is, um, the news of the day. Definitely news. Definitely big news. Last, very last thing. I forgot about this. Uh, Sonia told me about this book. Sonia, you've told me about so many books over the years that we've been friends. And I'm so glad. And this one is not any different. It's called Work Won't Love You Back. We have reached out to Sarah. We would love to have her on. But I think she's just got a lot of people wanting her on because this is an amazing book. Um, I highly recommend it. I'm not going to say anything else other than it is a big book, but if you get it from the library like I did and you're like, I don't know if I'm willing to take this on this. I, I just I say, read the conclusion. It's called right. What is Love? And see if you don't see some similarities between what she writes and what Frome says and what we talk about. I was blown away. Awesome. Good stuff. All right, let's get to it. Uh, how to care less about work. Sonia, what are your oh, first so thoughts? Good. So good, so yeah. good. Um, this article, I know that we've had a few 
episodes where we talk about work and what's the meaning of work and how work's changing. This kind of takes a different approach and looks at, I think we can both agree that our culture work typically is what we use to identify ourselves. And we, we really relate to, we've sort of grown up in the culture that tells us, you know, we are what our profession is. And what I love about this article looks at how during the pandemic, people had to rethink this. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, I'm killing myself at work. Or is this what I really want to do? Or, you know, I, I don't know that I even like the environment I'm in. So it allowed people to pause. And what's interesting is this article points out how we should go towards things that we love, like our hobbies, where they really make a distinction between, say, your work life and just doing things for the purpose of basically doing them because you you literally love being, you know, outside riding your bike or drawing or, I mean, the list is endless, playing the guitar. Um, yeah. It was very interesting. Yeah, I love that element. Um, the idea of coming back to doing things because we want to and just out of a desire and having hobbies. I mean, I think about um, people that I know who work 40 or 40 plus hours a week. And I don't know very many of them who are active with a hobby in their life. Um, and so I think that it's not common in the U.S. and Western modern Western society to do much more other than work and go home and maybe watch some Netflix and eat some food. And I think that there's a lot we're missing out on. There's a lot of opportunity in a space where we do something, not because it has the potential to make money, not because someone told us we should, not because fill in the blank reason, but because just because we want to, that's, uh, that I think is an idea that's actually really changed my life because when I learned that it's my responsibility to kind of create a life where I feel fully alive, then I was like, okay, well, what do I want to do? And I learned that like, uh, I'm much, my life is going to be much more sustainable. I'm going to be in a better mood. I'm not going to be resentful. I'm not going to be cranky if I'm doing things on a daily basis because I want to do them, not because I feel like I should or I have to. Um, so I think this idea of, of doing things because we want to and not to perform or not to make money is a really good idea um, and something I want I, I I hope more of us will think about um, think about doing. Yeah, I the interesting part of this article, and I can really relate to it. By the way, is um, I think soci our society we're really taught to to work hard, and it's basically we're always taught about being productive. I think we really yes. live in a world that talks. We have to the productivity treadmill is what they call it. Um, yeah, and everything needs to be, there's got to be like a purpose, you know, uh, we, we were talking earlier and I said, even if you do something, people always look at how you can monetize that. If mm -hmm. you're a good cook, they're like, oh my gosh, you should open a restaurant, you know, or yeah. you should, you know, have your own nursery because you're great with plants. And 
what this article does to me is it it really steps back and says, you know, what who would you be if you weren't defined by your job? Like if you didn't have your job, like how, who would you be? And that's a very important question, I think, for most people, you know, for everyone to ask of, mm-hmm. of, you know, each of us. We need to look internally. Like that's where I, th- I think the error has been in our sort of uh, world is to just identify with this one thing, which is work. Yeah. And, and this, this, the other part the article talks about is, you know, when you're first kind of going through this process, they said, you know, you're going to need like some downtime where it's just, if you're, if you're a person that was working crazy hours and now you're stepping back from that, it's a way like a t- taking care of yourself. You just sort of need to, I guess, chill out would be the word. And then you go to ask those questions of yourself. That's a great And I point. think it's like daydreaming, like where you're just making journaling or you're thinking. Like yeah. what are the things that bring you happiness and joy? And 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 it could be many things. I, I don't want to sit there and tell you what that's going to be. But I think what the other part that you brought up, Lacey, that was really important, it says when you find that and you do that, you become a better human being, a better partner, a better person in your community. Yes. And they gave they gave an example. I'll just give one real quick where the author talks. I think I don't know about if it's the wife or someone, a friend that decides to, they want to try to take up skiing again, but they bring up all the excuses why they can't, you know, their their age, they're going to get hurt, the this, the that, I, they're not good enough because they loved actually doing that. It was a joyous thing. And when they finally go and do it, the individual goes and does it, that just the happiness and joy that comes from that. But I could see where a person could put up all the barriers like, oh, I'm not really good at this. You know, I want to learn the guitar. I wanted to go do whatever, you know, just fill in the blank. I could see easily how one could put up a lot of barriers. Especially because we live in a society that kind of gives us this message like, if you can't do it perfectly, mm-hmm. then you just don't need to do it. You know, I, I they talk about this in the article a little bit too, and I'm not sure exactly the words that they use, um, but it's a discour it, it discourages us from doing things that we don't think we can do well or perfect or good or even halfway mm-hmm. good. You know, and um, and I and. And the reality is, is that the joy and the pleasure is in the doing of it and the process of learning and growing through it. And that might sound like super cheesy and tra-la-la and blah, blah, blah. And what are you talking about, Lacey? It's really the journey, right? That's that's a cliche, but it's really um, when you can look back and go, wow, last week I could only play one chord on the guitar and this week I can play two chords. That's awesome. Or who cares if you make that progress? Uh, Maybe you you play that chord and you're still playing that chord, but but you're enjoying it. That's the point. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's the point. And that was a that it was the approach that I took to the gym uh, recently when I um, well, it was at the end of last year, um, getting back into the gym after so much sickness and so much lockdown and all that stuff. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go move my body every day and enjoy myself. Cause if I don't enjoy it, I'm not going to keep doing it. And, and it was like, there wasn't, it wasn't like, I'm not keeping up with that person in class or 
the, the, the trainer told me to lift 18 pounds and I'm only lifting 10 pounds. And it was like, no, I'm t- lifting 10. That's 10 more pounds than I was, would have done if I would have stayed home, you know? So, uh, I think finding joy in just the doing something that we like and we enjoy, um, that's a worthwhile thing. And it's way underrated, I think. Uh, oh, for sure. In our yeah. culture, it is. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, one of the statements they say is the reality, we don't prioritize these activities because we don't prioritize ourselves. Mm. And going to your point, Lacey, mediocrity is okay. Yes. I think we're always believe that we have to strive for this excellence. I'd be the best. We have to win. We have to be the best. Yes. Yeah. And and one of the things they talk about is resist the urge to master something, resist Mm. the capitalist urge to commodify. Everything is like, you know, being optimizing it. And uh, I I just love the fact that, um, like you said, it's just about the journey and just enjoying the activity. Yes. And and allowing uh, yourself to do that. Because I think there's always that mindset of we have to be productive. We have to be productive. You know, I think that's even ingrained in us as children. You know, I think about me and I mentioned this on a pod on the podcast, but during the lockdown, I attempted to paint and I don't find myself, don't call myself an artist or think I'm good at painting, but I knew it was just something that was an outlet and could be fun and enjoyable and I found myself as I was painting thinking, wow, this isn't worthwhile. Like that doesn't look good. It's not a product. You know, it didn't turn out a certain right, way. Right. And the same right, thing right. with kids. Like when we give them, you know, a, an, a project to do, we like, like, you know, cut and paste or, you know, make, make a dinosaur out of the paper. Mm-hmm. It has to look like the dinosaur. That's the model. Instead of letting the kid cut the paper and make the dinosaur look however it looks. You see, it's about a product at the end. Sure. We're so conditioned to do things for an outcome instead of for the actual just doing of them. Right. Because that's where actually all the learning and experiencing takes place. That's where the growth happens. That's where the joy is, you know? Yeah. You know, I'll have to comment here when we did the mural. Well, you were you were here to do it. I wasn't. And yeah. the woman that we um, got that was able to help us said, I guess we needed to paint pre before that, which you did Lacey. And remember we were talking about, well, you know, how are we going to do this? What colors? And she said to you, which I thought was really profound is everyone's an artist. I thought that was so good. It was good. That fits into what you're talking about now with not having this idea of what, how you have to be and how good it has to be. Or what it's supposed to look like or what it is. It doesn't, you know, like kids also, I work with kids, you know, as a nanny and they'll be like, what are you drawing? If we're sitting down drawing together and I'm like, I don't know. I don't have to know what I'm drawing. You know, I don't know, have to know what the out, sometimes it evolves, but I want to, I want to connect this to from because I love, I love the fact that there's a from connection here. And I love the from connection because they're saying you know, let's find uh, the things that we enjoy doing just because we enjoy doing them. And what that in essence is saying that Frome is saying is let's do things not to have, mm-hmm. not to produce, not for an outcome, 
the having mode of existence. See our first season if you want to know more about this. However, doing it just to enjoy it, doing it to be, doing it from the being mode of existence, doing it to be present in the moment, doing it to have an experience, doing it just to do it. That I love the connection there in this article. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you brought up that you work with kids and I think uh, childhood is a good example of this. You know, I recall when your child using imagination or maybe creating something, whether it's playing outside or I don't know, singing or making a play or like you said, or building something as a child, you're not looking, you're not looking to have it be anything that you're selling or presenting like to someone and there is that kind of flow moment where you're just doing yeah as Thrum would say you know you're you're actually you're you're in the being mode yes and so this is a real interesting concept to me because i think like you said we're conditioned society from the society and our culture and it's like just even retraining your brain i know that i'm very uh activity to-do list oriented so I do, and I've talked to you about this tonight, we've discussed it, that I'll even feel guilty if I'm not being productive. Well, I, you know, I've got this laundry list of stuff I need to do. Mm-hmm. But when am I just being? Yes. That is a tough tr- transition to make. And they talk about this in this article too. And you mentioned it earlier about when you first set your mind to do something just because you enjoy it, remember that, uh, you might just end up wanting to lay in the, on the couch and just do nothing because mm-hmm. you're probably burned out because all we've ever do is work, you know? And right. so give yourself some space and some grace or, or compassion to get there. And I think what I, what I wanted to say when you said that earlier, and I thought of saying, and it comes back now is that the, the lockdown and the pandemic was that for me, it was so so hard because I was unemployed. I had just come off the campaign. I didn't have a job. I actually had interviewed for a job um, and and gotten it, but it was an event. And so it was like, not going to happen because it was pandemic happening. And so I had nothing, nothing going on. And it was like, who am I? I don't know who I am. What am I doing with my life? I can't. And why am I? Where? What am I doing? I, I need something to do. You know, and and now like that, I treasure my downtime so much and downtime. I don't know. Like I don't even I'm I'm insistent on not working more than 30 hours a week. You know, like this is so important to me now because I was able to go through that difficult period and slow down and not feel like I have to be go work, 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 go do something, do something. And now it's like, you know, I have, it's funny, me and Mo, that's my boyfriend. We were uh, playing with blocks that I had in here that I had from whenever I was a teacher. And one of the things that I've learned is how important creativity is. I'm sorry, play is to creativity. Mm -hmm. I was like, and also to a healthy relationship. Let's just be real. And so I was like, hey, babe, let's uh, let's play with these pattern blocks. And they're the, the blocks that I played with in school that were my favorite. And we didn't get to play with them very much because I went to a public school. So it was sit down, be quiet, write it down and don't, you know, mm-hmm. 
free play wasn't something that happened a lot. So anyway, and, you know, it was just so delightful. There was no point. There was no outcome, end goal. It was just, we just built stuff. And at the end, we were like, oh, that's this, and this is that. And and it was fun, you know? And so I think I got distracted. Uh, but my point is, is that I wouldn't have come to this place. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for your time. If it wasn't for the time with the pandemic and just slowing down. And I wouldn't value the creativity, the space for painting, the space for reading, the space for writing, and the space for play. I don't think I would as much if it wasn't for that that time of the pan- during the pandemic when we were locked down and me being unemployed. I think that that a lot of people could speak to that. I think that uh, many individuals sort of have that time to reflect and to rethink, you know, who am I exactly, which is one of the questions the article says is like, who, who, who am I? Yeah. Who am I if I don't have the title of my job? I think it's huge. (sighs) Well, it tells you a lot that we don't know who we are outside of the title of our job, first of all. And second of all, it's, it, it, we're very busy, right? We're just too busy to know who we are outside of our work. And then when we stop to look at who we are outside of our work, it's scary and it's anxiety inducing because there's maybe some pain and emotions and things that we've repressed in there. And it's a process to know yourself and to learn who you are and what you like and what you want. But I'm telling you people, it's worth it. And I'm on that same journey and I'm, and, and it's challenging and difficult sometimes. It's so wonderful. And the more we know ourselves, the more we can step back and go, what would I do uh, if if work wasn't the access axis of my life, which is what they they ask in here. Um, and and they're great about th- this article is really good about like helping you to see that one of the ways to care less about work is to start to look inside of yourself to learn more about who you are, to learn more about what you like, to start doing these things that you you enjoy just because you enjoy them. And then and then I think what we all will start to find is that there's so many things that we can do that we would want to do, that we would want to spend our time doing just because we enjoyed it. And 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 we'd want to spend time not working. Like <laughs> it'll be easy to be like, I don't want to I don't want to spend my life working. No. And <laughs> I, I love have- this autonomy thing. It's great. Yeah, I think this speaks to which, you know, we've talked about different cultures and countries. I just think it also speaks to having a better balance in your life. I think the big word, too, that comes up for me is optimizing. Mm. They're saying, you know, I think the idea that we have a lot of time is trying to optimize everything. And this article is telling you not to do that. And I think we don't always see what the long term, like, you know, positive outcome is of this. As I said earlier, you're you're mm. a happier human being. You're a better person yeah. for going beyond the this title of what you do and as a job, which is 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 not define define your you know as a human being. I mean, there's much more to us than that, and it's just very limiting to me to think that there's a title, you know, of I'm X or I'm Y. Yes, it's very inaccurate. We are too we're human beings. We're way too intricate to be to be described by one label. 
one label. I'm not a, I, I'm not a, a nanny. That's not all I am. I'm, I'm a thinker. I'm a, I'm a painter. I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, yeah. And that's not even going deeper into like our feelings and, you know, our emotions and our dreams. And we're way too multifaceted for, for a label. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think the idea of feeling joy and, and being in the moment and just doing something just for the sheer pleasure of it is a concept that really, as we grow up, I think we lose that. And we're taught that that's not, again, productive. That's not optimal. It's not what we should be doing. And it, it's, it's damaging, I think. In the long run, it's very damaging. Well, uh, and I, I agree. And I think that one of the things that I'm learning that's true is actually it's quite the opposite. The more you enjoy what you're doing, the more productive, not in the t- traditional capitalistic sense of the word, but in the real sense of the word and the Fromian sense of the word, the more productive you really are. And if you enjoy uh what you're doing day to day, it's way easier to be kind to other people, mm-hmm. to share with other people, to share your joy with other people, to, you know, help other people. I agree. Um, so yeah, that's to me, it's, it's a misnomer, but I do feel like, I mean, I read children's books pretty much daily to the kids that I nanny for. And I notice how much, Okay, uh, propaganda, it really is. But just how much this, the books propagate the ideas that we are conditioned with and grow up with. For example, the importance of working hard, how the, the, the mom and the wife is the one who cooks the meals. And you know what I'm saying? Like the right. gender roles. And, you know, if you work hard, great things will happen for you. And uh, go to school every day and work and do great at school. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying rebel against school. I'm just saying there's some, there's some reforms that need to be, that need to take place in education. Right. For sure. Um, so yes. Uh, I mean, I, when you talk about that, it makes me think of recess and free time. So without getting too much in the whole education scene, I know that a lot of schools want it to get rid of that or that, you know, we're eliminating that. And you think about the idea of that. Wow. If you take that front to it from, to an adult, you know, what we need is recess. We need that downtime. We need play. We need uninterrupted, just whatever sitting outside in the sun or, you know, sitting on the swing and as a metaphor, of course, but mm-hmm. that's something that we've lost. And going back to what you're saying, to be the best human being, that should be part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 vital. It's vital, but but the way our society is organized, well, the, it's it's not because it doesn't have a financial uh, output value. There's no way to calculate. Oh, Lacey spent an hour in nature, looking at mountains and green leaves and beautiful rivers. So that equals $3,000 worth of productivity. That doesn't happen. Right. (laughs) It equals a better quality of of life and relationships, but that isn't valuable in a capitalistic society. 
Yeah. One of the lines to what you're saying, hobbies help cultivate essential parts of us that have been suffocated by productivity obsessions. Wow. Exactly what you're saying. Mm. So um, you have to excavate what you like. You have to go deep and find out what you like. And, and make the space. That. Yeah. Yeah. Make the space and time for it. We just highly encourage you to do those things, to draw the boundary lines in your life. Uh, even if you're a mom or a dad uh, or a parent or a caretaker, it's worth it. You're going to be better for those that you take care of um, by being good to yourself. It's almost kind of like self-care, but not not completely. But anyways, uh, definitely recommend this article, How to Care Less About Work in the Atlantic. We'll link it in the description. Um, so good to be back, Sonia. I know. I'm I really excited. enjoyed this. Yay. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope to be seeing you guys soon um, when we do our next episode of the Rethinking Humanity podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.